0: Hi, I'm
1: Garth Tanner. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney.
0: We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the V8 Insiders.
2: It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell.
3: The Championship Fight Titans.
1: No, I'm sure there's going to be a... A few more dramas at uh, at homebrew. The top fifty are unveiled.
3: I mean, if you got another 10, 10 judges, they'd probably come up with a different top fifty. And
1: Lowndes talks about his book.
3: Most people really talk about themselves, I suppose.
1: That's all coming up today. As the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Saturday, after the first red flag of the weekend, when Garth Tander found his tyre deflating and flew into the back straight wall, Paul Dumbrell grabbed his maiden win in v8 supercars only a week after cancelling his retirement in tassie yeah no it's uh i guess elation's probably uh an underestimate uh of uh of how i'm feeling it's uh it's been a
0: big uh been a big uh two years in in my life in the last couple of weeks uh you know my coming am i going you know i probably didn't even know what i was doing so it's a uh, it's an amazing feeling certainly for rod and i uh we drove uh at bathurst together in i think 2000 it might have been and um, so 10 years ago uh to the day uh um, you know, to probably to the couple of months, uh, you know, I'm standing on the top step of the podium driving for a rod.
1: Jamie Winkup grabs some more points over his rival James Courtney. In some way, we, we sort of threw that race away a little bit. We, uh, we had it under control early on, and uh, I don't know, I'm going to have to do the numbers. I think we put too much fuel in it. We, we did lose a lot at the actual pit stop. And Mark Winterbottom ensured his championship was still alive. Oh, I can't control them, you know. They're um, they're in the box seat and they they should win it. I, I shouldn't win it, but um, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of points up for grabs still, and and those guys are, are going to fight it out. And um, without a DNF, it's going to be very hard to catch them. But you know, motorsports a funny sport, and a lot happens. And I didn't think I'd get to 200 points. Um, from the last round, so uh, just keep racing and try and do the best we can. After two red flags in two races, the championship goes down to the wire in Sydney. The top three all on the podium in Sandown.
5: Uh, it's been a crazy season. Um, you know, Both myself and Jamie have had a lot of things go wrong, and also Mark and... and um... You know, for us to be here at the end and to win just before we go into homebush, it's great for us as a team with team morale.
1: James Courtney's win on Sunday showed that the championship leader had plenty of fight left in him and the Jim Beam Racing team.
5: Uh, Look, it couldn't have come at a better time. It's uh, You know, after Indy and then uh, at Tassie as well, we've had a couple of kicks to the family jewels and it was great to... uh, to be able to step back up there and, and do the job at the end, you know, there's unbelievable things going on in the team and, and um, everything all around us. And for us, for my boys, just to uh, keep their heads down and keep focused, it's, uh, you know, the credit goes to them.
1: And Mark Winterbottom knows he's still a chance. Yeah, it was, um, you yeah, we, we've come on strong at the end of the year, but championship goes for 12 months and you um, don't win it in six. So, you know, we, we're trucking along really well. We look good for next year. Um, and you know, we're, we're getting good results at the end of the year, and, and PD's doing a good job as well, so the whole team's lifting. Jamie Winkup knows he has a tough fight to keep his championship title.
0: Third was the best
1: we
6: could. Fortunately, we lost, uh, we lost a spot to James in the pits, and, um, you know, we, we, we pushed as hard as we could. I, I almost got frosty at the end, but then uh, Lee almost got me, so it was, all, it was all on.
1: The race was marked by the second red flag of the weekend, as I mentioned before, when Michael Caruso tagged Will Davison and the cars collided into the tyre barrier at the end of the back straight stewards will investigate the matter when the circus hits sydney so to those all-important points james courtney on 2932 jamie wing Cup on 2879 mark winterbottom on 2729 Craig Lowndes now out of the hunt with 2,567. Garth Tander on 2,382. Shane Van Gisbergen, and another man who fell victim to the tyre wall on 2,262 points. Lee holsworth on 21,41. Rick Kelly on 21,22. Paul Dumbrell now into the top 10 with a 20,94. And Michael Caruso on 18,92. Jason Richards is recovering from abdominal surgery. Late last week, it was announced that Richards would not be contesting the rest of the season in the BOC gases car when a lump was found in his abdomen. In an announcement from V8 Supercars, which reads, three specialist surgeons led by Associate Professor Damien Bolton, a urologist, on Monday night removed the whole tumour in a procedure that lasted several hours. Jason will be kept in an induced coma for the first part of his recovery. He will then have a minor procedure before being woken up. The tests are being carried out to establish what type of tumour it is. Results are not expected until next week. More information will be released when available. The family has requested all messages of support be sent to the team. That's 4 838 Hope Court, Albury, New South Wales 2640 or via the Jason Richards fan page on Facebook. Walkinshaw Performance has announced that they will be selling one racing entitlement contract. The wreck was offered to teams on Friday by V8 Supercars and is expected to p- generate plenty of interest. But Walkinshaw Performance is not ruling out running four cars in 2011 just yet. Jim Richards talked to the V8 Insiders about being voted the fourth best driver in Australian touring car history.
3: Oh, listen, I mean, it's very nice to be, you know, bunched in with, uh, you know, Brocky, uh, Mark Scape, who I, who I have a lot of time for, uh, Alan Moffat, Norm Beachy, Craig Lowndes, Jamie Wincup, Pete Gagan. So to be in, in, that, in that top ten group... Um, yeah, listen, to be honest, I mean, really, I mean, I don't really worry about that sort of stuff. I, I, I do what I do and it, it doesn't really worry me what people think of me as a driver. I do the best I can and uh, if I get some success, that's fine. But, but to be recognised by the, the dozen people that, that, that chose the drivers is fantastic. But at the same time, I mean, if you've got another 10, 10 judges, they would probably come up with a different top 50, you know what I mean? So it's all relative to, uh, to, to who, who are the judges and, uh, and, uh, and I suppose who, who likes you at the time.
1: And Craig Lowndes has gone on to the Hustings this week, promoting his new book, The Inside Line. On this week's Wi flag Lap, we talked to him about the book, but how long does Craig see himself keeping racing?
0: Oh, look, no, I, I think that uh, there's two things that always uh, uh, will come to an head for me, which is uh, you know not being competitive, which we still are, and uh, and, and not stop enjoying the the sport for what it is and uh, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed the sport so uh, you know, hopefully uh, I've got uh, two more years beyond this year as, as my current contract with the team and Team Vodafone but uh, who knows what's going to happen after that we'll see uh, two year, two more years is a long time away but uh, I'd love to uh, be signed with the team and, uh, and continue for uh, at least another uh, five or six more years
1: Next on the V8 Insiders Ben Beasley and Chris Jewell will join me I hope you'll stay with us Controversy Corner is next when we return with
2: more on the V8 Insiders The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au, or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of
1: Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.
0: Hi, I'm Jason Richards. You're listening to V8 Insiders.
1: Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, the voice of the V8 supercars, none other than Chris Jewell. Thanks for joining us, Chris. G'day, Craig. How are you going? I'm very well, and a man that you know, of course. People have been seeing him all year, or at least hearing him all year, on Fox Sports News and, of course, Speed Cafes. Ben Beasley. Good afternoon and evening to you, Ben. G'day, Craig. It's an interesting time. We have seen Sandown and the 50-year celebration at Sandown, and well, something you only see once every 50 years. Chris, two red flags in the course of the weekend.
6: Yeah, a lot of people hard-pressed to uh, identify when the last red flag was. Uh, I can only recall New Zealand, I think 2004, when Dumbrell and Craig Baird came together. But, um, yeah, to get two in two days, and on the back of a couple of crashes that happened in the same spot too, pretty
1: amazing. And, and of course, Ben, uh, there was three cars that went into that wall because Shane Van Gisbergen did it on the last lap of the uh, Saturday, uh, the Sunday race.
5: Yeah, also, I mean, not long before uh, the race this year, there was a safety review done at Sandown, and um, one of the areas they did clean up was uh, that section. I mean, the racetrack didn't change; they might have changed some curbing or something like that. But the uh, the, the way that they applied the uh, the tyre barriers with the conveyor belt across the front was one thing that did go in this year, and uh, they really did test it.
1: They did, and uh, well, uh, it's amazing that the cars that got in there the hardest were both from the same factory. And it was from Walkinshaw Performance. Is it little wonder we're seeing the uh, one of their wrecks is up for sale? At, uh, and Chris, well, both of you guys know all too well how expensive crashes are in your racing program. When you both were working at Brightech,
6: yeah, you're right. At least they can build one good one, can't they? Because the back of gas was fine and the front of wheels was okay as well. <laughs> The thing about the Holden
5: Racing team, they've had plenty of practice in the last couple of months fixing race cars. They've um, thrown one down at the end of Conrod Strait with Fabian Coulthard and then at the top of the mountain with uh, Will Davison. And in the very next race, they went to, uh, uh, on the Gold Coast, and Garth Tander hit the wall very, very hard as well. There's definitely a shuffle having to go on down at
6: uh, at Clayton to see what they've got to to take to Sydney next week. And yeah, plus Andrew Thompson's had a couple of wall bangers as well earlier in the year with the turn eight at Clipsal and uh, turn one at Hamilton. So everybody has a budget for uh, damage. In their uh, in their racing budget for the year, but nobody can uh, budget for a couple of write-off situations, and certainly not to have so many cars as heavily damaged as they've had this year.
1: Mm. It's been an, an interesting uh, it's been an interesting weekend because when we saw Saturday and we had a brand new winner to V8 Supercars in Paul Dumbrell, it was a, a very an emotional win in a number of respects on Saturday for Rod Nash and Paul Chris.
6: Yeah, absolutely, um, you know, the stories of the Dumbrell family have probably only been you know, made public in the last 20 to 24 months with obviously Lucas having that shunt at Oran Park leaving him a quadriplegic and uh, the stories of, of uh, Paul and uh, Lucas's dad Gary also being diagnosed with cancer recently but, you know, Paul was much maligned as a youngster, you know came into Formula Holden as a 16-year-old. He drove NASCARs, crashed virtually everything he drove. And a lot of people probably didn't expect he'd ever win any form of motorsport. But it just shows if you put the right people around yourself and you keep toiling away and applying yourself to the task, not including the challenges you faced off track, that um, you know, these drivers are all very, very good racing drivers and it's all about the chemistry that goes into exploiting their talent to the full. And not only did he go from a podium at Simmons two weeks ago, he went from a podium to a win and a pole, effectively covered all bases in a period of you know seven or eight uh, racing days so it was incredibly popular and rod's come from being a privateer uh, to ultimately becoming you know the third member of the full performance racing outfit albeit in a satellite sense so i don't think there was uh, anybody who didn't wish both rod you know the team and sponsors and paul you know their very best at the end of saturday and sunday's racing activities
1: mm. and ben of course you spent time at Ford Motorsport's uh, factory uh, support is is a big thing, and uh, of course, being in the the factory team, having your cars prepared, doesn't hurt solidifying those sorts of bonds.
5: It does, and I think FPR are definitely the team on the up. You know, uh, Mark Winterbottom has been strong for the last you know few years, and they have really tripped over themselves just too many times. And it's amazing that when they don't trip over themselves, that they've got they've had really their three cars up towards the front in the last three events so uh it was like on the on the uh, saturday uh, i was there along with you craig when we thought we were going to see, hear paul dumbrell say that he's retiring from v8 supercars all all the rumors were true and in really that he what he said was i know you all thought this i actually thought it as well but he sat down with rod and, and really must be credited to rod nash for talking him out of retirement and, and that seemed to lift the pressure off him he went out and started to enjoy his motor racing again and he starts to put it up the front qualify, win races, it's it's just unbelievable but within that group as well they've already made comment that next year uh, they will be very much a 3, probably a 4 car, full factory um, supported um, squad of cars and that's what Ford needs because they don't have the numbers out there against the Holden teams at the moment and especially Holden teams such as um, 888 with the team Vodafone cars uh, they are very, very strong, and uh, the unknown situation or what's going to happen with Dick Johnson racing, but it looks like, you know, James Courtney will end up as a fourth car, and it won't, be a, it won't be the fourth car in the sense of the, the fourth string car at FPR. They'll have four very, very strong cars next year.
1: Mm, it is amazing that uh, we are seeing the driver, who effectively is in the Catbird seat for the championship. He wins the last race before the uh, finale at Sydney is... Under huge doubt about his future, Chris, it it's, is amazing and, and remarkable, and I know that uh, he's paying tribute to his guys who are still turning out race-winning cars, even though, as he likes to say, they don't know if they've got a job come uh, December four.
6: Yeah, I guess they're lucky that they're still leading the championship. Not lucky that they're leading it, but fortunate that that is the case for the team and the the guys working in the team because to try and keep that harmony and, and keep that level of commitment and dedication should they be trailing the championship might be an altogether different thing with that fear of the great unknown and not knowing where they'll be next year and where James will be for that matter had they have left Simmons Plains trailing the championship I think the whole dynamic of the team would have taken a totally different um, turn And, and fortunately they're having race wins, they're leading the championship they just keep doing it And I think that's keeping them up, because without that, they wouldn't have much to cheer about.
1: Ben, is it good to be leading a championship? Formula One World Championship, won by the 3rd place man going in. NASCAR Championship, won by the 2nd place man going in. Is this the year not to lead?
5: Yeah, not if you're an Australian, because there was also willpower in the IndyCars as well. But, you know... It's, it's a circuit that James must feel very confident going to next week in Sydney. He won there last year. He was strong. He really should have won the Saturday race, too. He had a little bit of damage, and he had a, a rear door that was opening, so he got called to the pits... Um for extra attention there his main rival Jamie Winkup didn't go well at all in Sydney last year it was a different scenario he just had to collect literally a handful of points to win the championship but um, Jamie's going to have to win and he's going to have to put some cars really between him and James Courtney if he wants to win this championship James has probably got some friends around him in terms of the likes of Mark Winterbottom and maybe Paul Dumbrell, you know who can possibly help him out whereas um, you know I think uh, Jamie is going to need three or four people to really to, to get in
6: between him and um, him and James at the best in the best situation.
5: Mm. Well,
0: you'd
6: hope that he is going to FPR in some ways because that might then allow them to play rear gunner for James. Because if he's not going there, and there's no reason Ford Performance Racing will need to help Dick Johnson Racing because they are competitive Ford camps. So I'd be nervous for James that there's not enough Fords that could potentially help his points scenarios should he need their assistance whereas from a Holden point of view you know Craig Lowndes is always going to be up there and there's a host of other Holdens just by weight of numbers in the top 12 or 13 that could potentially help Jamie up. so with a little bit of luck the Ford troops will rally around James Courtney and help uh, become the interlopers in a weekend where he might need them most.
1: Yeah well we've got to go to a break here but let me uh, let you guys think about this over the break. Who remembers 2006? When four Walkinshaw cars teamed up against the one-team Vodafone car. A break and then more here on the V8 Insiders.
4: You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing.
2: To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au.
1: Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. As Ben Beasley and Chris Jewell. Join me, Craig Ravel, And guys, uh, I put to you before the break, who remembers 2006 in that ganging up? So uh, that's something to look forward to next week on the show. But uh, the question was to Craig Lowndes, does he a bitch? Do you uh, have to play the team role and make sure your man gets across the line? Ben?
5: You can sail that, but they'd probably pick one of the most difficult circuits to implement anything like that. A big fast-flowing circuit like um, Phillip Island is probably a little easier to do that, but on the narrow concrete canyons of Sydney, it's going to be very hard. 250 250-kilometre races they're very long, it's going to be hot we've been waiting a long time for summer to arrive and it seems to start to have arrived this week, it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be easy to put people in between either There's also a bit of a scenario back then, you know, that uh, the races where you finish in the first race and and all that sort of stuff set up the grid for the the next race. That can't happen. There's separate qualifying. There's just too many variables to think that um, that will be the situation. Plus the situation will be whatever happens on Saturday, you know, is going to affect Sunday in terms of what has to happen. Uh, it, it could all be over come Saturday afternoon and uh, we might not even have to get to a situation where people are talking about uh, team tactics and all that sort of thing.
1: Mm. Chris, your thoughts before we move on to the uh, 50 best touring car. Supercar yeah, I,
6: th- I think we will make it to the last race of the year I'd be surprised if um, you know, James can get that, adi- that 150 point or greater margin He needs to win the championship on the Saturday But uh, I guess all he can hope for is that Stephen Johnson has a return to his Canberra form of many years ago And sits up there helping James move through the field But he'd be unlucky to lose it, wouldn't he, in a lot of ways Having led it since Winton uh, But hey, as we just mentioned earlier on Not many of the championship leaders going to the final race of the year Have won any championships this year
1: Yep, it has been a tough one. Hey, 50 years of V8 supercars were honoured by the top 50 drivers. Of course, uh, in the news, you heard from uh, Jim Richards, number four. And, of course, Craig Lowndes is in our white flag lap this week talking about his new book. But, uh, guys, did they get it right? Peter Brockett, number one. Ben?
5: Uh, I think, without doubt, they got it right. Uh, he is motor racing in this country. And, will s- he's his status will stand for at least another 50 years. Um, it was probably uh, no doubt that Peter Brock would be number one. I think all the interests surrounded probably positions two, three, and four, and five, and and, and they've really got those num those those. I see that Jim Richards was rewarded, and Moffat, and Dick Johnson, and it was nice to see that Jim Richards was rewarded with his um, unbelievable ability to drive anything and win races. It, it it is about touring cars, I know, but he still shows today that. Um, you know, in the Touring Car Masters, but even if it was down at Targa Tasmania or in the Carrera Cup, he's still one of the greatest drivers ever, ever to come from this part of the world. Mm-hmm.
1: And I love, Chris, the uh, quote in the news that Jim gave us, which was, oh, well, you get 10 different people picking it and you'll have a completely different top 10, and I might not be number four. So he's such a humble guy and uh, such, so understated.
6: Yeah, absolutely, and it's not just about on-track performance. It's what they've contributed to motor racing. It's you know their personality and approachability, and you know when we go down through the order there, there's a lot of very different personalities there. But all of them were successful in their own right. There was some conjecture about you know Marcus Ambrose being there, but if you look at what he achieved in a short time frame, he was actually in a V8 Supercar. Who's to say, had he not gone to NASCAR, that he might not have won five championships himself and maybe a few bathers? So I think that uh, I was certainly very comfortable with the top ten the way it came out and ultimately... Peter Brock coming in at uh, at number one. Uh, I think a lot of people thought that was going to be a fate accompli play, and uh, as it was, you know, the right man got the uh, the accolades and and the, and the justifiably you know deserved uh, recognition. So yeah, through the order, you could probably, as Ben said, mix up two through ten however you like it. But number one was the most important thing. It'd be an outcry if uh, if somebody outside of that top ten had managed to find their way into number one. We would have all been uh, heading for the psychiatric ward. I think.
1: Yes. All right. Gas and Go is brought to you by V8X Magazine, and it's. Five questions in three minutes, guys. Time starting from now. Ben Beasley, should Paul Dumbrell have been told to move over to allow Frosty to get more points on Saturday?
5: No. Chris? Simple as that. I mean, it was the right result. He deserved to win the motor race. Um, Frosty didn't have the have enough to, to get past him. I know he tried, but the point was that uh, it's always nice to see teams allow... Drivers race each other, and that's actually what Triple Eight have done, you know, throughout um, the, the year as well, and also uh, Red Bull, <laughs> although that's Formula One. But I, I think there was no point in um, asking him to move aside for him on, for
6: for Frosty on Saturday.
1: Chris,
6: yeah, I fully agree. I mean, if Frosty be within ten or twenty points of James Courtney leading the championship, it would have been heartbreaking to think that would have happened. But no, nah, by all means, Paul deserved to win, and he was quick enough to win.
1: All right, who should be sure who should have made the top fifty? The didn't, Chris Jill.
6: That's a tough one, isn't it? A really tough one. But uh, you look at the previous race winners uh, in different categories of uh, touring car racing and there's a host you could probably uh, pick. But I guess in my mind, looking at the cars and the drivers most frequently up there of late, and I would have thought that Will Davison might have just about made it into the top 50 just on last year's results alone.
1: Mm, Ben Beasley?
6: I mean, it's always a hard decision
5: to make because there's probably if you stretch it out to 75 you might have not said there was a quality in there so to have the top 50 one name that did actually spring to my mind before was Gary Rogers who if it was based on driving alone you might say no but he did he had a very long uh, career he got uh, quite a few top 10 results at Bathurst um, during an era which was dominated by the likes of Peter Brock and and Dick Johnson and also what he's uh, maintained in the sport you know he has his own race team or he's brought on some of the best young race drivers in his team and he's always uh, had his team on that same philosophy as having fast young guys and, and rewarding them. So maybe a way of uh, recognising Gary Rogers in the top 50 would have been nice.
1: I would have thought you would be a Ray Golson man there, Ben. <laughs> hey, who should have, who should take the BOC gases drive? And I'm going to put a name up first. What about David Reynolds? Lightning quick last year and from Albury. Or certainly from up around that way anyway.
6: Yeah, well, um, that's the name I've got written in front of me, I so you've just it. stolen my thunder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had uh, David Reynolds in front of me, Steve Owen and Nick Perkatt uh, for different reasons, but David Reynolds is the one I'd like to see drive because he finished off on such a high up there last year, qualified in the top ten on both days.
1: And, of course, uh, all walking through are performance signed drivers, which is the interesting thing there, Ben.
5: Uh, it is interesting. I mean, we shouldn't forget the reason why this driver's available. And that's um, for Jason Richards' um, Ill, Ill issues at the moment. He's uh, he's doing it a little bit tough, and uh, certainly got everybody's support in saying in saying that. I mean, it's an interesting scenario to give somebody an opportunity in the in the, in the last race of the year. I'm sure Holden have got quite a bit of influence in there as well. That uh, there might be a guy who needs to be rewarded. I mean, probably the guy who really needs to be rewarded at the end of the, the day is somebody like Steve Owen. But uh, there's also the likes of David Bernard, who showed incredible pace at Bathurst. Everyone thought he did a great job except Gary Rogers. <laughs> but, um, you know, maybe he'd, he'd be the one who'd step into the number eight car.
1: All right, Ben, whilst you're there, do you think Jamie Winkup would walk away from the sport whilst he's dominating like he is?
5: No. <laughs> not, not, in the next, not in the next couple of years, I wouldn't think. He might take up some opportunities to do some one-off drives here and there. The thing I really liked about the Gold Coast race was that we saw international guys come and drive our cars. I think it's about time some of our guys went and did one-off events like that overseas. The opportunity to race at Le Mans next year is very high uh, a possibility for a lot of guys. There's some of the other um, sports car races they could do. I think they need to go and show their name overseas for sure. But as Marcus Ambrose found out, you know he went to America as a fantastic road racing driver from Australia in cars that were somewhat similar to NASCAR, and it's taken him five years to really establish himself over there. He's got a great opportunity next year with um, with a, a better team in the NASCAR ranks, although it's going through some ownership changes at the moment. But the name Jamie Winkup outside of this part of the world, unless uh, you're very high up in a race team, really doesn't mean a heck of a lot. And uh, he would have to really pull up stumps uh, have to find an investor to, to go with him overseas to go and do it, and then who knows what could happen? He could join a category that you know is not a very strong category and really not go too far. Right now, he's in the best touring car championship in the world. He's doing it. He's um, he's very very competitive. He's fast. He's got a great lifestyle. Um, he's also come from a background which uh, didn't afford him too much of that when he was young, so he shouldn't walk away from it.
1: Okay, Christian.
6: No, I don't think he'll go anywhere. No, not at all. I I fully concur with with Ben's sentiments there. I guess one person who would be hoping he would go missing would be Steve Owen.
1: (laughs) Hey, will the championship, Chris, be wrapped up before the Gunners rock Sydney?
6: No, no chance.
1: Ben?
5: Uh, I'd agree with that. I mean, my comments earlier said it could happen, and it can happen, but I, I don't think so. I think we're really set for a true grandstand finish come Sunday afternoon. It's going to be very, very tight. Um, And ideally the situation will come down to, you know, whichever car finishes in front between uh, Jamie Winkup and James Courtney will win the championship. Mm -hmm. I think Frosty is sitting back there looking at all the stats from Formula One and IndyCar and NASCAR and hoping that uh, something could happen. But really, it's going to come down to those two guys Sunday afternoon.
1: Well, that's gas and go for another week here on the V8 Insiders, brought to you by V8X Magazine. And thanks both to Chris Jewell and Ben Beasley for the roundtable and uh, look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks' time up there in the Harbour City. Thank you. Greg Lowndes joins us on the White Flag Lap next on the V8 Insiders.
2: Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders.
6: Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders.
1: As we continue our white flag lapse of first, we speak to the sixth beth driver in V8 Supercar Australian Touring Car Championship history, Craig Lowndes, about his brand new book, The Inside Line. Craig, it's amazing you even have the time to sit down and write a book.
0: <laughs> it's been a pretty, bu- a pretty busy year. It's, uh, uh, it was a lot of fun, something very new, different. Something I suppose we've always talked about, but uh, never uh, really getting down to putting pen to paper or sitting down and uh, um, and really, I suppose going through uh, my history of what I've done in the last uh, at least the last twelve months. But uh, really, uh, it was a great experience, and, and from what uh, I can see, that uh, the book sells very well, and uh, you know, looking forward to probably in the future doing a, a more in depth sort of going further back in my my career in in a sense of uh, HRT days, FPR days, which, uh, you know, started way back in 94.
1: It's interesting. It starts out with probably uh, one of the more controversial moments in Australian motorsport for the last two years with uh, Team Vodafone's move to Holden. And uh, it's an interesting place to start the book.
0: Well, I suppose it's, it's a question everyone wants to know about and, uh, you know, really, for me, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's probably, uh, uh, you know, I suppose it hit you between the eyes of, uh, of, of uh, answer to that question and, and really for us, it's a, uh, um, uh, I suppose, well, for me, a great way to start it because it really, uh, you know, it shows the, what the passion and the, and the book's all about of, uh, of what, we, what we do as a business.
1: It was interesting because uh, as you said in the book your hands were reasonably tied at that time having a Ford uh, contract.
0: Oh well yeah well, it, we um uh you know we definitely were in, in a position where we uh, we had to sort of uh, look at, uh, at what was going on around that time and the, and obviously the team had uh, decided to uh, to not continue with Ford and and uh and what went on and uh for us it, uh, we continued that year with uh, as a Ford driver, had Ford backing of the team, and then and then uh, ultimately uh, changing uh, at the end of last year, which was uh, probably the worst kept secret during the year because uh, everyone knew what we were doing before we even started building the Holden cars. So it's uh, it was it's a it was an interesting time in our life, and uh, you know something we documented and, uh, and hopefully people will have a better understanding about it.
1: Was that a more difficult change than the one earlier in your career when you went to Ford?
0: Um. I... Yes and no. It was in different ways. I think when we first moved uh, back in 2000, 2001, it was more of a personal choice. And I had to move race teams to, uh, to, to I suppose, to uh, incorporate the, the, the manufacture change. And then this year, uh, or going into this year, I suppose, we didn't really change anything bar the manufacture. We stayed with the same team. We were happy enough to stay with 888 and Team Vodafone. And uh, you know the driver lineup between Jamie and I stayed you know, consistent. Really, it was all it was was uh, putting the Fords aside and then building some some Holden cars for this year, and so uh, it was a, in, in different uh, circumstances and different ways. And uh, and for me, it really came down to a point where you know I had to be happy with uh, the, with the team, regardless of whether they're going to be Ford or Holden before they, uh, you know, well, I should say before Roll, and finally decided which way he'd sway. So it's uh, you know, it, for me, it was always going to. Uh, be uh, a pretty safe bet to stay with the team because they're always going to be competitive
1: Mm. it's an interesting book in as much as uh we're talking about a motor racing driver but i'd have to say 80 percent of the book is not about you motor racing and uh, one of the refreshing things is it isn't talking about every time you went out on the track it's it's talking about craig Lowndes, which you don't open up often about
0: no, I suppose that, uh, you know, my whole career has been well documented of, of what I've driven, where I've been, what success we've had. But, uh, yeah, not many people sort of, I suppose, really get to see the behind the scenes of what we do outside of a race car. And uh, it's quite easy that uh, most people uh, really talk about themselves, I suppose. But, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, for me, yeah, a, a way of uh, you know expressing and, and showing people what we do in and out of the race car, but, but mainly out of the car. And uh, to have uh, obviously Jamie's comments and Rowland's in there and that, and and, uh, and then also the, towards the end of have the, obviously the, uh, uh, I suppose my views of other drivers that are in the sport now and and what, and uh, what and who made me uh, who I am like the Peter Brocks and uh, and then of course the Dick Johnsons and everything else.
1: One very interesting. Uh... <laughs> well. Unfortunately, the book had to go to a, a
0: certain uh, length and, and uh, I could have been uh, there all day obviously uh, commenting about all current drivers and uh, so really we just sort of uh, really tried to pick the drivers that uh, you know, really have had an influence, uh, good or bad, and I know that we comment uh, and we talk about Rick Kelly and uh, 2006 and everything else, so it's uh, you know good and bad of, of what my opinions of drivers that we've uh, obviously had great battles with
1: one thing that a lot of people don't quite understand about race teams is the camaraderie that you have to build up, not only with your race engineer, JJ, but also with every guy that turns a spanner on your car. And I think that's one of the things that you're able to uh, show in the book that you do have these relationships over numerous years with engineers and mechanics.
0: Oh, for sure. And I think that's, that's, that's the biggest challenge for a driver uh, that do change uh, race teams is to have that relationship with uh, not only your engineer but yes with all the crew members that you have because really your life's in their hands and uh, you know you've got to have a great rapport with all of them they've got to understand every Good, bad, ugly motions that you go through. Whether it's uh, you know uh, a bad race weekend, a good race weekend during a race, you get frustrated, uh, and they've got, and they've got to understand, and and, uh, and, and vice versa. You got to know when uh, you know. Uh, well, I've got to know when Jeremy uh, comes to a race weekend, and uh, you know, he's just really uh, you know not with it in the sense of uh, you know just um, uh, you know, we had late nights, or uh, we had to build the car during the night. So yeah, it's really, it's really a, it's definitely like a marriage relationship.
1: My thanks to Craig Lowndes, Ben Beasley, and Chris Jewell as the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now.
2: Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.